aboard the struggle bus. You've got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said... We are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Okay, so I started the intro and Sally leaned all the way back <laughs> and almost missed her cue. I I decided to start stretching like as soon as you began the podcast. I don't know why I made that decision. I spent a good minute like setting up levels and <laughs> chit-chatting. That I'm like, wasn't okay, a good time to stretch. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. And then she leans back. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was winding up for the intro, I, I guess. I love it. I love it. Um, so you can tweet at us at StruggleBusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Email us, StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com. Check out our Instagram, Instagram.com slash TheStrugglebusPod, or tweet at Sally T or me at SPK Heller. Um, if you want to join our super secret and awesome safe space Facebook group, you can email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com and give us your email, the one you use regularly. No email that has a Facebook.co.uk.biz. Dot biz, whatever. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. The, the, again, the Facebook group is great. It's a place to sort of talk about your feelings and post cat photos. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, be nice to each other. Yeah. Be nice to each other. Be nice to people who aren't in the group. It's a place where we discourage any sort of like aggression or hostility, keep mm-hmm. things real nice. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. Yeah. And you're all taking really good care of each other and yeah. helping each other out. I love it. Even if I'm not commenting every day, I am watching every – I mean, reading it and just really feeling good about it. Same. Somebody started the HitFits crew early. <gasps> they were – it was Thursday and we do – every Friday we do a, hey, it's the Friday self-care roundup. We probably need a song for that. <laughs> and we call it the HitFits crew because that's the acronym. Thank you, Lucas. And um, somebody started a day early and they were like, I know it's not Friday, but here's what I did for self-care. It was really cool. It was really cool. Yeah, that was awesome. And everyone is like really good about – like I think – when people post something where they're like, oh, I'm really going through it, um, a lot of people just chime in and like write a bunch of hearts. Yeah. And then other people like give like actual advice. It's yeah. like a really nice mix of like actual advice that you could follow and like just people being like, hey, we're thinking of you. Yes. Here are some hearts. So um, if that sounds like your jam, you should join. Yes. Right? And definitely still write us letters though. Oh, yeah. We're getting through Yeah, them. stop. We've talked about this. Stop solving each other's problems, yeah. right? Email us, guys. We're going to be out of a non-job. Seriously. <laughs> we're going to, yeah, we're going to be out of podcast. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What, what was your week like? What, let's talk oh, about oh, it. Oh boy. Well, so I wrote an article. Uh, not, I mean, it wasn't even an article. It was a very short post about Gwyneth Paltrow's lifestyle website, Goop, uh, and some sex toy recommendations they made. Uh, they were like luxury sex toy items. Some of them were actually reasonably priced, but some of them weren't, including a $15,000 gold dildo. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And uh, I, I wrote just a really short write-up about it, and I included uh, people's reactions that I saw online. So some people were like, why wouldn't you just like uh, fuck a gold brick, you know? <laughs> and like someone else, just people being like really funny and being like, why would I pay $15,000? It's cheaper to get a boyfriend, um, LOL. Yeah. Um, but then some people being like, but secretly I want to someday be in a position where I can get a $15,000 dildo, like yes. dildo goals. It's amazing. First thing I thought was right. I want to try it. <laughs> just try it. <laughs> right. So um, – Anyway, I posted that to my personal Facebook page and – Big mistake. <laughs> huge that's where, mistake. That's the first place you went wrong. Huge mistake. Um, it's always really interesting to see which people react to things like because immediately upon posting it for three or four people who really never, ever, ever comment on anything I post wrote um, – so, like, basically wrote something making fun of Gwyneth Paltrow and being like, she's an idiot. She's a twit. She's a douchebag. That kind of thing. And I was like, you know, this is a thing that happens a lot where we decide that we disagree with something a woman is saying or doing. And instead of articulating a critique, we're just like, that dumb bitch. Um, and, you know, no one called her a dumb bitch, but they were, you know, calling her names. So I politely requested mm-hmm. that uh, people just refrain from name calling in the thread. And I got a little pushback, like someone I know was like, but why? And I was like, well, it's I'm not debating it with you. I'm saying that regardless of your personal opinions about Gwyneth Paltrow, this isn't a space this being my personal Facebook page where you can call women names. And the comment like, section on BuzzFeed, you can definitely right. say whatever you want. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, and she was like, you know what? You're right. Let me delete my comment. And then this other guy who had also called her name deleted his comment. And I think one other person. 
So teachable moment. Teachable moment. End of the story. Thought it was going great. Congratulations. Thread was dead. It was great. Good feeling. Then I get a notification that someone named Mike, I won't say his last name. Sure. Um, he got really like activated about this whole thing and wrote this like not really that coherent, pretty long comment about how, um, you know, I had written this article is clearly making fun of her. And then I was like telling people not to make fun of her. And I'm just one of these like PC police. And um, this toxic PC culture is what, what why people are voting for Trump. And I was like, okay, let me figure out how to respond to this. And I, at first I started to like refute each of his points. And then I was like, you can tell by the length of his comment and the kinds of language language he's using that he's so like triggered that we're not going to actually have a conversation. Poor guy. Is he okay? <laughs> I don't think so. So uh, actually my girlfriend really helped me figure out how to respond to him. And what I ended up saying was like, you know, I'm really surprised that you think that my views have anything to do with the popularity of Trump. And I'm going to be reflecting on how upsetting it is to you that I requested people not call women names on my page. And then um, and then from there, I think. Oh, and then and then he didn't respond. Actually, I think he might have even liked that comment. I woke up the next day and then there was this whole side shit show with like someone who got really mad at me who I don't know. And it was all thing. Her comments disappeared because she blocked me. Um, wow, well, you really upset a lot of people. Yeah, with I mean, this. I I unfriended her because I couldn't remember who she was, and I was like, "You're in my comments. I know who you are." And I unfriended her. She got really mad at me. She, she messaged me. I then remembered who she was, and I was like, "Sorry about." It was like a whole thing. But anyway, still, nothing really came of it until later in the day, Mike came back to the thread and posted a comment. Oh, actually, you you wrote before. Can you say? So I was at Keanu the movie, and I went to the bathroom right after, and I noticed there was a, an email from Sally, and I think the subject line was, look at this shit, or something oh, like, yeah, look yeah. at this bullshit. Look at this garbage. Or something. And of course, I was like, let me get on it immediately, because here's the thing. I like to stay away from these fights, but when it's a friend and it's somebody I don't know who's commenting, sometimes I like to write a real snarky yeah. one-line thing like, hey, are you okay? I think in this one I said... um. There's no such thing as the PC police, but ironically, PC culture exists, quote unquote, because certain people don't get the memo. So literally, Mike, PC culture is your fault. I didn't say that, but yeah. it's true. This is why we have to say, hey, don't use that word, please. It's upsetting to me. And they're like, you, oh, well, fucking PC. Yeah, it exists you made, because- you, you actually made a really good point where you were like, PC culture, aka basic humanity and decency. Yeah. And then I also posted a picture of a leather chair and I said, <laughs> please have several seats. So Mike didn't like that. I have to tell you that like- that comment really lightened things up for me. It really helped me because what was happening was that a lot of people were messaging me privately and were like, what the fuck is up with that guy? Again, people who I don't really message that much with, but they were like, what the fuck is up with that guy? Who is he? Why is he so upset? And what is even wrong with him? And it felt good to get those messages because I knew people were like watching the thread but not commenting. And, you know, the thing is like you can't ask people to like jump into your thread because people are trying to like practice self-care. Mm -hmm. But I really appreciated their messages. But then I super appreciated when you jumped in and you said something like snarky and like lighter. And then but that really set him off. Well, to me, I've found that that drives them nuts. And I personally, same thing. I don't like to get involved with people on Facebook that I don't agree with because what's the point? This is not a conversation. This is just an argument, right. one-sided. You're never going to agree with me. Oh, except for when a man commented and he goes, thank you for treating me with respect. It's like, fuck you. Just because I'm man. I mean, sorry. Yeah. It had to do with the fact yeah. that it was man. And no, he coddled course. him. Yeah. And I mean, and that guy was doing that. Um, that guy didn't agree with Mike. He was doing that to try to like chill things out. Anyway, the point is then he Mike wrote a really fucking long comment. It was an essay. Like, I mean, it was really, it was probably uh, like 500 words. This one was aimed to me. Uh, hold on, I'll, I'll, pull, I'll pull it up real quick. Thank you, Catherine, for proving my point. I'm sorry you don't have the intelligence or class to hear different viewpoints without vilifying someone speaking to them like a small child. It just goes on from there. So it's like, great, Mike doesn't even know me. And yet he's already saying, I cannot argue anything yeah. because I'm in, not intelligent. I don't have class. And I can't hear different viewpoints. Mike doesn't know me. Right. All I did was a funny picture of a chair and being like, hey, dude, because I think, you know, I was in the mood. I was in the mood at that moment to get into it and defend yeah. you. But in general, I stay away from that. Yeah. But I couldn't help myself. No, it was awesome. I mean, so anyway, then he wrote this really, really long. I mean, I just I think that you can tell when someone, you know, it it's not inappropriate. Facebook is not an appropriate place to write a comment that long. And when someone does that, it like um, it shows what they're going through. They're willing to like violate a pretty basic social norm of the medium to like get their point across. And 
he was making all of these points that were I actually didn't even read his comment that closely, but a lot of it was like incoherent. I didn't either. And it was he he got to this point towards the end where he was like talking about again about PC culture and he was like talking about gender neutral pronouns Mm -hmm. and he's like first I have to say this and that what's next am I gonna have to say and then it was like a mishmash of like keystrokes and I and I was like you know they them x y r z h e right and and I was thinking like you know who makes fun of gender non-conforming people Trump supporters Mm -hmm. which you know he was trying to like turn on to me and like PC culture so it was just like this weird like inversion of reality and uh anyway so the point is finally all this shit had gone down he was he was coming for you Mm -hmm. um he didn't like that I just started doing one sentence comments like are you okay no I said Mike is not okay sad face he was really upset about that and then uh, he said, good, logical, intelligent argument, snarky emoji. Right. So then I wrote, I was so proud of this. Please clap. Yeah, that was a good one. If you do want to get into it with a troll, just one or two words. Yeah, less it. is more. Smiley Truly face trolls. emoji freaks them out. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I eventually just commented like, hey, guys, like we all disagree like passionately. And I said, I again took the opportunity to point out that this whole thing started because I made a simple request not to call women names on my page. He was also making all these free speech arguments, which is not like no one's free, free speech is. Are, being are you the government, Sally? I, I am the government, and oh. I can. I don't know if you know this, but I can censor people. Interesting. Um. Anyway, so and then it ended from there. But I have to say that it like took up a lot of my time and my energy at the end of last week, and people were also like. Oh, hey, I was like reading that thread. That was crazy, huh? And it was just, it was interesting that this thing that I was like, not, you know, it it wasn't like weighing on me incredibly heavily. It was more that it was like kind of putting me in a bad mood. Mm -hmm. And it was just interesting to realize that it was one of, it was a thing online that people were like grabbing their popcorn and sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, um, enjoying because it was such a fucking train wreck. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to talk about that because I wanted to talk about, it'll go into my, self-care thing but I thought I would also just talk about it just because you were involved as well this is a really good point um so I was upset by your friend who jumped in so first of all personally I didn't want to get involved unless I knew I had the emotional bandwidth Mm -hmm. and I did and I was having fun Mm -hmm. because I don't know this person it was funny to me not funny to me it was not funny at all I got very upset because he would not stop and I'm like this all started because a woman asked you politely not to use a name right so you had a friend who chimed in and he was very sweet to to Mike um, and he said, basically, hold on a second. What was it he said? Um, I didn't appreciate that he used me as a way to butter up to him for the mm-hmm. point. Hey, Mike, I'm sure you're okay. Which I was like, nope, my, my thing was a joke. Don't use me anymore. And mm-hmm. your friend seemed very nice and, and very smart. And he said, but, you know, just so you know. And he explained it like, hey, it's like you're in Sally's living room. If she says politely, don't say that word at my party. Just leave the living room. Right. Like, this is, a, this is a small space. And then Mike's like, thank you so much for, like, finally, I appreciate that. And you sound quite awesome. And it's like, yeah, just because it's a dude. First of all, I'm sorry. If I'd said that, he would have said I was a dumb bitch. Right. Sorry, it's true. Yeah. And secondly, um, the guy had to butter him up and make him feel better. And this all started because he wants to say the B word mm-hmm. on your page. Like, right. I don't. He didn't. He didn't say the B word. He said douchebag. Or but either like way. That. But yeah, I mean that that was a thing where like one guy was like taking care of another guy because they both like connected over being. Um, I think he was like I'm used to being on the unpopular side of an argument, and I resented that framing of it because the the problem wasn't really that Mike is on the unpopular side of an argument. It's that he's acting like a jerk and there was being, no argument. Yeah, there's no argument. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it was kind of a shit show, and it was just also really interesting to see things like this play out that mirror a lot of our experiences with in in a world that centers the experiences and perspectives of men. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, it it gave me food for thought. Well, this actually – I was going to talk about this for a thing that happened this week, so I will change it to this then. It, the idea of Trump running for president is, um, you know, scary and funny and all those things, but – Here's why I'm upset, and a lot of people are now writing about it. So the best article is by uh, Ijoma Aluo. Mm. Um, she writes for The Establishment. She's actually, I think, the head of The Establishment. And she wrote about how being a black woman in America while Trump is running is triggering mm. and difficult because the language he's using in debates against Hillary Clinton and just uh, immigrants and people in general, and people are laughing and, like, the news is talking about it, like, all the issues. But all of us who are watching and getting triggered, I cannot watch him talk about Hillary Clinton no matter what side you're on, mm-hmm. he's a misogynist. Right. And everyone's just laughing. And um, she talks about 
being on an NPR show and they were talking about Trump and this one white woman goes, it's just so fascinating. And she says, and I'm quoting her, fascinating is a word used for reading about scientific discovery or watching a documentary. Fascinating is a word for observers, not participants. Um, But for people of color, Trump's rhetoric is as fascinating as being kicked in the stomach repeatedly. Mm. So everyone, and I heard this on another podcast that I love, but the guy host was like, and the woman host was like, I don't want to watch the debates because it's going to be triggering for me. My kids are going to see this rampant misogyny that no one's talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. People are joking about it. And the male host, as nice as he is, and I do like him, is like, no, I think it's really important to watch this time in our history. So if you're not living that experience Mm -hmm. and you're telling other people how they should be reacting to Trump, no, no, this is really interesting. It's not. Um, And it's tough because it's all over the news. And now this language, and here I am policing language, but... I'm telling you right now, I have a hard time watching him on mm-hmm. TV, so I might not watch the debates, which I would normally enjoy doing. Right. It's not funny. I mean, so going back to your point and your Facebook wall, you know, there's just some words where it's like, I don't care if you don't understand why, don't say it. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think actually this reminds me of something I think about uh, quite often is that I have this tendency when I read something that really angers me, like with so- when someone has a point of view, like like this male podcast that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I I will like send it to someone and be like, I'm so pissed about this. And sometimes I don't because I want to like commiserate about it and connect over how angering it is. But what I don't sometimes stop to think about is that everyone has a different experience in society based on like personal experience, based on race, based on gender. And sometimes you can send a thing to a person and it's actually like a triggering experience for them. Or it's like, maybe it's not triggering per se, but it's like, yeah, cool. I experienced this in my real life. I know this happens. Why are you sending me this? It's like, it's, it can be like almost like an act of aggression to make people like commiserate with you in that way. And so it's a thing that I think about before I send people stuff. And I don't always think about it. Sometimes I send something and I'm like, oh God, why did yeah. But um, it's a really important thing to think about. So I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. And all those people who are out there like, uh, you're policing my language. I spend a very little amount of time every day before I send articles or say things on Twitter to stop and say, OK, is this offensive? Is this hurtful? Will somebody find this the wrong way, even though I find it funny? It takes me two seconds <laughs> and it makes it a better world. And I've just thought about something. I don't feel censored. I don't feel policed. I just feel like I've learned a lot and I know better now. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, it doesn't take that long, it's, you guys. It's an easy thing to do. And also, I just think, like, this is the kind of segueing into the, a thing we did. But I, I the, the thing that I did is, like, I argued on Facebook when I felt like arguing. And then I stopped when I realized it was becoming unproductive and it was, like, sucking away my life force. But the thing that I think is, like, really important when it comes to this stuff is just, like, realizing, which Mike could not do, is realizing when you're triggered and you cannot engage in a productive way and like it's okay to be triggered and to need some time to like breathe and like process and like figure it out but that is not a time to try to engage I mean I guess speaking for myself it's not a time to try to engage because I don't really say anything um productive I get really snarky I get really sarcastic I was kind of snarky to Mike I he he mentioned in one of his first comments that he met Gwyneth Paltrow so he had like proof that she was a douchebag there it is so I said, congratulations, by the way, on meeting Gwyneth Valtrow. I thought that was amazing, by Thank the way. You. I loved it. Thank you. Um, it felt great. Um, but the thing is, when I am really like I, – I wasn't triggered, but I would say I was like activated, which is like the word I think of that's like one step before you're triggered where it's just like – you know, you feel physically different. You're like trying to respond to something and you realize that you're so like zazzed up that it's like preventing you from calmly and clearly articulating things the way you normally would if you weren't all like zazzed up. That's mm-hmm. a new word. I love it. But um, so yeah, I mean, that's really the thing is just like, like that's the self-care thing, I guess, is like I stopped arguing when I realized, first of all, it wasn't productive. And second of all, that it was like putting me into a complete state where I wasn't able to like get anything productive. The only thing I the only feelings I was getting from engaging were those feelings that are like satisfying but ultimately kind of like negative. Like the like when like what we talk about with hate watching, similar mm-hmm. feeling. Anyway. Um and yeah, I was going to say the, you know, the the 3 seconds it takes me before I send out a tweet to wonder if it might be offensive. 3 seconds. I'm sure it took Mike like a good 10 minutes to write this post. At least. What is he doing? At least. At least. It's not going to – it's not that hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, The other thing that was really interesting is that like I always wonder with this stuff, like when someone is really acting out on Facebook, what our mutual friends think of it because we have mutual friends who I know have – you know, really good politics, like, and I don't think would agree with him, but they didn't say anything. Not not that they have to. It puts them in an awkward position to speak out. But it was just like, it just 
you know, makes for a lot of interesting dynamics to consider. Yeah, I'll be honest. I did not read his post, but I have it up now because I'm like, yeah, what? and it's all about the triggering and the PC police. But again, me, two seconds, this guy, full day, full day, all day long. He has long, to tell people what to think. Long, long, long comments. Yeah, so that's fun. What about you? What was your thing we did? Well, I was going to be, um, I actually was going to talk about the Trump thing real quickly mm-hmm. about like, hey, don't please consider how difficult it is for people of color and um, people of Mexican heritage and and women and anyone else that he has shit on, Muslims. Any immigrant. Anyone. <laughs> any member person. of any marginalized Basically, community. how joking about it is... It's not funny to me. It's really hard to watch these things, and especially him talking about Hillary Clinton and the way he does. And it's just we hear it all the time. And I'm I'm I at this point am checking out of the politics, and I don't want anyone to tell me, well, you got to be a good citizen and follow politics. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? For my self care, I I have to turn the TV off when he mm-hmm. comes on. I cannot watch him, and it upsets me because mm-hmm. I do like getting involved in the political process. Yeah, but that was. But I also wanted to say, um, my big client had a launch a couple weeks ago. I didn't talk about it last week, but you can now listen. And this is something really cool. Elevate podcast. It's spelled E L L E V A T E. It's a company of women in finance who network because they find that a lot of networking happens at the golf clubs and the men only clubs. Right. And uh, this amazing person started it. She is so badass and. And this company is incredible. So it's called the Elevate Podcast, Conversations with Women Changing the Face of Business. And it's so good. And I produced it. Oh, I'm so Go excited. on. And even if it's not your jam to listen to women talk about uh, finance, um, please give it five stars. And also <laughs> ours, too. You know, our, our podcast yeah. as well. It helps me a lot if you do that. Um, and it helps Sally if we do the struggle bus. Please do that. And, of course, big shout out to Betsy from uh, Affordable Interior Designs. We had a great conversation about marketing struggle bus the other day. Oh, cool. But Sally and I are too busy in other meetings right now. Um, yeah. We're, we have a lot of meetings. We have a meeting-heavy life. We do. Um, so we do need to talk about that. But Betsy, thanks again for your help. And her podcast is Big Design, Small Budget. And awesome. uh, if you like that, yeah, help her out, too. Listen. But definitely us first. Yeah. So I just want to say that. Preferably. Yeah. Cool. So wait, sorry, were you done with wait. your a thing we did? Oh, a thing we did. Right. Yeah. Oh, because I, oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't go. That's into okay. That. We, sorry. we kind of were all over the place. Oh, I just, I just okay. wrote uh, in all caps, got Sally's back on Facebook, <laughs> also napped. And oh, I saw a show last night, a solo show written by Hennessy. Hennessy is the husband of Chemda, who's been on our show, and it's called Typecast. Henny is a trans man who identifies as having a female body, but is a man. And um, he is choosing not to pass right now because he is getting roles as an actress. I hate that word, but I guess. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, and is trained and can do anything. And is also a trained singer, so it's like, I don't know if I want to change my voice, but it might change in the future, mm-hmm. and he's still going through it. But he talks about the process of, of figuring out his thing, his mm-hmm. phantom penis and all these all these things. It was so touching. It was so interesting. Do try to see it if you get a chance. It's not playing anywhere right now, but when it does, I will let you know. That's it is awesome. a really brilliant show about- Is he going to tour or something? We're hoping. I'm, I'm going to try to help him with some cool. stuff because it's such an important show. It's, it's just, it's funny as hell, but like really touching and really fascinating, and he's he's so talented if you're a casting director cast him he can play a man or a woman like he is convincing as fuck one of the most pa- talented actors i've ever seen in my life wow he does amazing work and uh i i got to work with him before and he is really great to work with and that's awesome so yeah that's cool i hope that he performs it again i really I'd do love too. To see it. he's been doing it for a while like oh off really and on. Yeah, yeah okay it was my first time seeing the whole thing so yeah that's awesome that. that's what i did for self-care is uh sat cool. down and saw a show love it it was great um, all right. Okay, so our first email is actually some feedback from someone who wanted to write in about something we talked about on episode 46, Storm Windows. The email says, awesome answer to the question about the surprise racist <laughs> terrorist in the social group. I tend to assume the best for usually far too long. It has only been during the emergence of the carbuncular Donald that I realized just how cancerous the term PC really is. I always assumed these were just insensitive people. But it seems to be more that cohort of of people who felt diminished by the loss of offensive vocabulary. It has become painfully obvious that the people who use the term are are, here comes the sweeping generalization, all racist, homophobic, sexist, patriarch-driven, anti-sexual fundamentalists and need to be labeled as such before they email you a swastika Confederate flag or other image of hatred and death as a quote-unquote joke there done yeah that was exactly that's uh, amazing yeah. it's funny how it all just fits right in with I, I feel like we also have emails that are sort of tied into this and I feel like everyone is probably 
pretty activated about Trump right now because I just feel like it's like in the culture that we're talking about all this shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's good we're talking about it. But, you know, like I said, understand it's serious, y'all. Yeah. It's serious, guys. Um, all right. Cool. So let's get to the first email. Now, we gave fake names, but you put it in the doc. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is from somebody who wanted a pseudonym from Breakfast Club or Clueless. And there's a lot of people who need pseudonyms in this. So we chose Breakfast Club because obviously. Because obviously. So Sally chose a name. So this is a surprise to me. I've read the letter, but I've not read it with the new name. Yeah. So everything you hear are the new names. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Great. Uh, so I guess I'll read this. <clears throat> Dear Kate and Sally, first of all, love the show. Thanks for being rad humans. The airwaves are better for you both. I'm not sure where to begin, nor am I entirely sure what the crux of my problem is. I think it's about feeling too many feelings too hard. I'll try to keep the backstory short and to the point, but I feel it's necessary to contextualize things. I'm 31 years old and have had the privilege of being in a variety of relationships, long-term, short-term, serious, and not. I've experienced love and heartbreak and moved on from those things with an expected level of struggle, but made it out of the other side and being better for it. This is not the narrative of the past four years, however. About four years ago, I ended my longest and most serious relationship with Bender, a man who is truly the best person I've ever met. He is kind, fiercely loyal and was the best caretaker. He is incredibly intelligent and we share a deep passion for very far left politics. Hashtag Marxist in love. Life was basically perfect except for this gnawing feeling in my gut that my queer bisexual identity wasn't being fulfilled in a relationship with a cisgender straight man. So I made, hands down, the hardest decision I've ever made and slowly and painfully ended that relationship, almost exactly in the midst of us relocating to a new city for my job. The guilt I carry for hurting this man and uprooting his life is the number one thing I've been working on in therapy for the past years. It didn't help that I lost two close friends in this breakup whose decision to stay friends with Bender and not me made me feel like it was confirmed that I was the shittiest person ever. Still feeling deep love for Bender and sometimes wondering if maybe I could have made it work after all is another thing I've been working through in therapy. Too soon after that ended, I jumped into a wildly passionate relationship with a longtime friend, Brian, a trans man who affirmed my queerness. We began a deeply tumultuous long distance romance that was full of very high highs and very low lows and a good chunk of time that was spent broken up. But when we were broken up, I felt 100% convinced in a way I'd never felt about anyone that this was the person I wanted to be with and that I would do anything to make it work. We loved each other so much and even in our breakups, we both promised to do work on ourselves to make our baggage more compatible and then hopefully figure out a way to be in the same city. We are academics, so this is not easy. What I did not expect to happen is that during that breakup, I ended up falling in love with Vernon, a person I met in England while I was there for work. Another trans man who also saw my queerness, who shared my politics, who made me laugh. We fell in love fast and hard and talked about trying to make it work long distance, even though that was one of the main things that ruined our relationship with Brian. I knew I was still in love with Brian and kind of still in love with Bender, truthfully. But somehow, here I was in love with Vernon. He came to visit me in America on a hope that we could figure out how to be together. But that same week, one of my best friends committed suicide. And when I saw Brian at the funeral, he said he wanted to try again. I was grieving for my friend and couldn't imagine saying no to trying again with Brian, this person I love so deeply. So I made another horribly hard decision and told Vernon I couldn't attempt this international long distance relationship and that I was going to give it another go with Brian. He was angry and crushed. I was left with more guilt and more heartbreak. So here's the issue. It's been almost four years since breaking up with Bender, and I still feel like I can't cope with still loving him and wondering what if we had been together at a different time. Although my queerness is important, as I get older, I also value so much of what our relationship had that I don't have quite as strongly with Brian. And I also feel like I can't cope with the fact that I still love Vernon, even though we basically don't talk at all anymore. And even though he's in England, I don't know how to manage knowing that had timing and geography been different, we might be together. And although Brian and I are doing better than ever and are finally en route to being in the same city, I wrestle with these ghosts in my heart on a daily basis. I think my question is, how do people actually move on? The small handful of people I know who've been in somewhat similar situations, ending serious relationships and moving into new ones, don't seem to wrestle with these thoughts as much. I know social media can tell can only tell so much, but I see pictures of friends with new booze only months after ending very long-term partnerships. I have never dared post a pic of me and Brian on Facebook because I still feel like it's disrespectful to the relationship I had with Bender. 
I don't know how people just seem to get over these things. I feel stuck and I feel like I will always be haunted with the what ifs. If Brian and I are really going to make it work, I know I have to actually let go of Bender and Vernon, but some days it feels truly impossible because I am fairly confident that given different circumstances, I could have been happy in either of those relationships, maybe even happier than I am with Brian. We still have problems, many of which I didn't have with Bender or Vernon. And that's a really awful feeling to sit with. Thank you so much, Claire. Um, cool. So what do you got to say, Sally? Okay, well, I think, let's see. The My first observation is just that, like, I think even though the saying goes, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else. <laughs> um, I do think that sometimes it can make it difficult to process fully and completely a past relationship if you get right into another one and then you get right into another one after that. Um, And I've said before on the podcast that I think that the thing of the idea that we like get over and like move past things is like is like a fallacy. Like I don't think most of us really ever truly like get over something to the extent where like it never ever brings up any you know, intense emotion in us or whatever. But I do think that you can get to a point where you process it enough to understand what its meaning was in your life then, what its meaning is now, and how to cope with the feelings it brings up in you. And I, it sounds like you haven't really given yourself a chance to do those things. And these are three intense romantic relationships. And romantic relationships bring up so much stuff. I mean, I think they bring up they make us realize things about ourselves. They make us realize things about ourselves with other people. There's like so much. It's not just about when you're dating someone, I feel like it's not just about you with them. It's like about just yourself that that comes up and needs to get figured out. And I think it just can be difficult to do that if you go from one intense thing to another. What do you think? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, obviously you miss this person, but um. Yeah, breakups are always definitely bringing up other things about your own person. Like I was with this guy off and on for seven years. I've talked about him all the time. I talk about him a lot on this podcast because I think about him every day. I miss him terribly. It's not going to work out. I'm very sad about that. But moving on, like, do you need to move on from loving someone and feeling sad? Do you want to get back together with this person? Well, that's a whole other situation. But I do think about him a lot, this ex of mine, um, because it brought up a lot in me about my family issues and my father and stuff. And it really made me a better person being with him. And I'm a, I'm a changed person, but I'm that way because I've loved many people. Like I still have great feelings for exes of mine who weren't so nice to me. You know, I, I, it, but it does bring up things in you that you should explore. Mm-hmm. I, I recently did a purge of the apartment because my uh, boyfriend's moving in and I found all of these old things, memories of exes and the times in my life and friends. And it was just really amazing to be able to throw it out, you know, and, and know like I'm moving on in the sense that I'm glad that they were in my life um, and I still feel really emotional about them. And I, in a perfect world, we could all be friends and hang out sometimes occasionally, I guess. But um if you want to get back together with this person, that's a whole other issue. But Sally's a million percent right. It seems like you recognize you jumped into relationships like you haven't been alone for a while. You might want to consider being alone or not. I mean, it's totally up to you, but really taking the time to explore yourself and why you're why you're in all these relationships and um, what this first one bender really means to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a, that's mm-hmm. a big thing. Yeah. And I think also one thing that I've been challenged to do a lot in therapy is like over the years is, is think about what purpose or function a certain way of behaving is serving for me. So, you know, if I, you know, if I was like getting into a lot of, you know, intensely romantic and in love relationships one after the other. What purpose is that serving for me? Obviously, like you feel feelings of love and you love these people and that's why you're with them. It's it's not that that's not the case, but it's like so you, you you've established kind of this pattern. So what does that mean and why is it happening and what do you get from it or what does it prevent you from thinking about? Those are questions I ask myself a lot, like or, or even like the idea of like really having like I don't want to say obsessive thoughts, but like a lot of thoughts that make you think um, endlessly about an ex and whether you should have been with them and if you made the right decision and could you be happy with them. Like engaging in that thinking, that is also serving a purpose. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like that is a way of of focusing on 
the on, on focusing maybe not on something on uh, some other underlying thing, but sort of because I mean, the the I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like obsessing over whether one relationship could have worked and if you should have made a different decision. Like that's not a question you can really get resolution for by just like thinking about over and over and over again. So mm. you have to ask yourself, why am I thinking about this? Why am I so hung up on the on these questions? And usually when I ask myself that, there's something underneath there. It's like, well, there's a reason that I'm really hung up on this. And I think like that's the thing to try to figure out. Was that incoherent? Not at all. Okay, good. No, I completely understand. And and you there's a running theme with um just you going into relationship after relationship and falling in love over and over again. There's nothing wrong with loving people mm-hmm. that aren't your partner I'm totally have feelings for people still um, that either I was with or was almost with that I'm friends with you know and that's totally normal too to like have affection and deep love for someone else mm-hmm. and uh, appreciation but if it really comes down to like do I want to uh, how do people move on uh, they don't no one moves on completely they just go to the next thing and deal with it and process mm-hmm. and move forward in the sense that it did happen and um, it's a part of your life and it always will be. But how are you going to take that into the next relationship or the next part of your life? Mm-hmm. So I don't like the words moving on mm-hmm. because it sounds to me like you've moved on, but you maybe haven't processed some of the things. Yeah, yeah, that that's that sounds right. And it it also sounds like, um, you know, the thing that you're grappling with isn't like the relationships themselves, but like your feelings about all of yeah. the relationships. And that's like actually a different thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you actually I think, Claire, you said this, that like you see people on Facebook and they're with their booze and everything's great. But like you're not you're not seeing all the things that like can never be pictured, which are like <laughs> all of the memories of like people that we've been with and like relationships we've had and like things we regret or things we wish we could do over or whatever. Like that's you can't take a picture of it and that's why you don't see it. But it's there. I just had an idea of changing my profile pic because I also don't do a couple's profile pic personally. I, I mean, I guess I would do it if it was a great photo, mm-hmm. but I hate it when it's like this is me. I am this now and I am this person right. and we are together. Um, but imagine if like every day you posted a new profile pic of you doing mundane activities, like cleaning the toilet or like crying over your ex-boyfriend. That's not a bad idea. I think that's hilarious. I love it. I want to do that. Let's all start a movement. Oh my God. Perfect. Um, but yeah, however, if you want to get back together with Bender or see him, um, again, the closure thing, everyone now knows we don't agree that the word closure is going to happen when you see someone, (laughs) it has to happen within you, but I don't know. Maybe see him for coffee and just be like, hey, and see what happens. Yeah. Who knows? If you're still thinking about him. Right. I think it's important to figure out if this is really the person you want to be with or if you're always going to be – like no matter who it is, there is always going to be a person who you're wondering if you should have been with, which oh, I think yeah. – this. but the thing is like this is the thing. Like this is – like you're not doing anything like wrong. This is how people figure out – who they are, who they want to be with, who they date. I mean, I just feel like this is like what it is. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the stuff that Claire is describing, like, I don't know. This is it. Yeah. So yeah. It's, I don't think it's bad or wrong, but um, I would definitely try to process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And especially if you are going to be back together with Bender, you should, probably should be in therapy to like, you know, process all that. Oh, just yeah. Make sure you're making the decision for you. I forgot that that doesn't always go without saying go yeah. to therapy. It helps to have therapy. or at least a support network or some yeah, place yeah. you can sort of vent or, you know, process. It's tough. So yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Good luck, Claire. Thank yeah. you for requesting Breakfast Club. That pretty much made our morning. I'm so happy. Um, okay, so we do need another. Should we stick with the um the Breakfast, the Breakfast Club? Club theme? Yes. There's so many more characters. There are. What about um, let's see. How about Andrew? <gasps> the Emilio is that the Emilio Estevez character? I don't remember. I'm gonna have to Google this. Hold on. Did you have it up? Uh, no, I, I had it up, but I closed uh, it. Hold on. There's I, Andrew. I should remember this shit. I know the, the... Oh, there's Carl, the janitor. Perfect. Okay, Carl. I know this dialogue by heart. I just don't know that. Okay. <laughs> Carl. Okay, so this email's from Carl. Hey, Sally and Catherine. First off, I love the show, and having it as a weekly self-care listen has really helped me since the start of this podcast. Unfortunately, this was not the reason I wrote in. Over the past six months, I have been in a relationship that I really enjoy. Although we usually are on great terms and get along perfectly fine, there are times when things get really high-strung emotionally. On a personal level, there is no trouble, but when it comes to certain subjects, such as gender, race, politics, feminism, religion, things start going downhill. Although I don't ever feel upset or judgmental towards her during these conversations and what she says, almost every time she gets upset with what I say during the conversation, which I guess would be a good segue into why I'm writing this email. Am I a mansplainer? 
My background, white, cis, straight, and middle-class male. I seem to be qualified. I'll give you a few (laughs) examples of how some conversations have roughly went. Example one, her. Maybe I'm just ignorant, but why are those black people rioting in Baltimore? I mean, the cop was convicted. Me. Well, he was only brought to trial after a year of people not being quiet and continuing to follow the story. Her. That's not true. Me. From the reporting I have seen, it is true. Mm -hmm. If you've seen something else that goes against that, I'm open to reading it. Her. You think you're always right, don't you? Me. I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm only saying what I know about this story because you asked for my opinion. Example two. She does not ask for my opinion. Her. When I have kids, I'm going to take them to church. It's the only place where I ever learned how to act in public and be respectful. There's a real community with it, too. Like when my grandma died, the whole church showed up for a funeral. Well, the old church people. All of them and my parents left the church for a new one after the pastor said he welcomed gay pastors into their faith. Me. That's the community that is close and taught you respect? I don't know. There are other community types of groups that could possibly be a better option. I never went to church and was able to learn how to be respectful in public. Her. Why can't I ever just say something without you having a response? Disclaimer. These are not the only two times it has happened. Also, my memory could be trying to twist it to my justification, but I'm trying to be as verbatim as I can remember. No matter the subject, if it is something that is considered political and my opinion varies from hers, she will end up quiet and distant. We are both pro-choice and she never ends up upset after a conversation with that as a subject. She says that I'm the only person that this has ever happened with and she feels that she can't say anything to me. I've tried to point out to her that it occurs when we don't seem to have the same opinion on a subject and have asked if she may feel judged because of the opposition to her point of view, but no effective conversation has ever come from that. So back to why I write. Am I a mansplainer? My last relationship was one where my ex and I shared similar interests and social issues, and we openly discussed these subjects. Not that I'm saying that I want this relationship to be like my last one, but could I just be used to interacting with a loved one in a way that she isn't? I have tried to analyze this myself, but I realize that a mansplainer can't see he is mansplaining. Thank you for your time reading this. I'm sorry if it's too long. Wow. Okay. It's kind of like if a, a mansplainer falls in a forest, does he know he just mansplained? You know, like it's a very- We'll never know the answer to question that. Question yeah. of our time. This is great. I actually really like this question because there's a lot in there we can talk about. So we don't know you. We can't tell you. And we're also not the PC police, but we'll call them immediately. Um, in my experience, mansplainers are people who give you your opinion without you asking and then explain things to you about why you're wrong. It's possible that you have done this if she's saying things you disagree with. But part of me is like, if you disagree on a topic, you need to just stop talking politics. People have been in relationships that are successful and they don't talk politics because they disagree. If there's certain subjects that upset me or that I just don't want to know about, I will tell my partner, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really going to debate that topic with you or, or anything like that. Yeah. I guess the problem is, is that it sounds to me like you don't you don't like not like her, but you don't agree on some very serious things. So I don't know. Sally, do you want to take this for a second? I need to think about this. Yeah, I've been yeah, thinking yeah. about this for a while because, again, I just don't know mansplainers in general. They come out of nowhere. You don't ask for their opinion. They give it to you and then they argue with you as if you're wrong and they talk over mm-hmm. you and they explain things to mm-hmm. you. Mansplainers also can come in many forms. They uh, explain a joke that you just told and uh, why it is that it's not a joke or something like that. Um my instinct is to say you're not. You just like talking about politics. But if this is going to be a fight, have a conversation about let's just never talk politics. Sally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, so we can't actually tell you if you're a mansplainer um, because I just don't think we have enough data. I, <laughs> I mean, I think personally, um, yeah. first of all, we don't there's no way for us to know the tone of your comments because we can't get tone from email. So maybe you were like, well, he was only brought to trial after a year of people not being quiet. Or maybe they're like, well, he was only brought to trial after a year of people not being quiet. Yes. So, like, you know, we don't know. If it was the latter, maybe you're a mansplainer. Um, but, I mean, here's the thing. The reason I think this is really complicated is because – and I was texting about this with a friend yesterday. Like, sometimes you'll experience a man doing something that is pretty um, – like pretty vanilla, like just disagreeing with you and in a res- and of like a fairly respectful way, um, maybe like a tiny bit showy, but like still mostly okay expressing an opinion or an opposing opinion. And because the 999 interactions you had with men right before that one weren't that vanilla, they were condescending, they were really mansplaining, and they were like interrupty. You don't really have any bandwidth for the se- for the. 1000th comment that is like not that bad but also not great and so you're already like kind of worked up so um 
for me, that's like a big thing. Like I'll see someone, you know, post a thing on Facebook and the comment itself is like not offensive. It's their own opinion on their own Facebook page. But because I feel like that I, I am in a world, like I said earlier, that like centers the experiences and opinions of and perspectives of men, it really doesn't take a lot for me to be like, ugh, you know, it's mm-hmm. enough. So sometimes I think it can be tough to figure out if a particular man is man, I mean, sometimes it's incredibly obvious and we have all the data we need. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I think it's like kind of on a – it's a little bit of a blurry area if a certain person in your life experiences you as a mansplainer. So I think the only thing that you can really do in addition to reflecting about – reflecting on the way that you talk to her and how your conversations play out is as Catherine suggested, you sit down and have a conversation with her about – And it sounds like you have tried to do this, you know, Uh, but I think maybe like really dig in a little deeper and be like, hey, I really want to talk about something in a relationship and try to understand and explore um, why this is happening. And I don't think that you have to solve it and understand it in one conversation. It can be a thing that you solve over the course of many conversations and you like try to understand and investigate. But maybe, you know, if she feels like slightly more comfortable or safer conversationally, she can open up to you a little bit more about what's going on with her in those moments. Yes. And this that's great. You brought up a great point because um, you don't – this is a good lesson for everyone. If for some reason someone tells you that they don't want to talk about a topic or a topic upsets them, don't try to explain to them why it shouldn't upset them. It sounds to me like you're not doing that, but in general, if she doesn't really want to hear your opinion – for whatever reason, she doesn't want to hear your opinion on this mm-hmm. and just respect that. Maybe talk about it with her, but don't argue like, why not? You have to learn the world. And it doesn't sound to me like you're going to do that. But overall, if someone says, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about that, respect that. Mm-hmm. You know. Second, it sounds to me more like, um, and I don't know her, but from what you have said, it sounds like she's just someone who's living in a bubble and doesn't know a lot about politics and um, – just doesn't isn't used to having a conversation that is open minded and like learning something. So it sounds to me like she doesn't want your opinion because she, for whatever reason, doesn't doesn't want it. So now it comes up to you. Should you still be dating somebody who doesn't want to hear your opinion on something? You can absolutely if you're in love and it's working. This is just a blip. It's mm-hmm. one of those things that you just need to talk about, though. You need to bring it up, have some ground rules and move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you don't agree with their politics and it keeps coming up and it's a constant and you want to build a life together and have children, you have to start talking about these things. Mm-hmm. So that's something you should think about if she's not going to ever listen to another person's opinion. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes as a woman, you can feel like everyone's always telling you why your perspective is wrong or why you don't understand a situation. And so it can be – it's a little bit hard sometimes to find the signal amongst the noise because it's like, oh, you're just another guy who's telling me I'm, I'm wrong or whatever. But I also think that there's a, a big difference between the first example you gave and the second example you mm. gave. And the first example, um, you, you sound like you're really just trying to, you know, explain factually what happened. And if your tone was, you know – fine, then that it doesn't seem bad to me. But the second one is like, you know, I think I think there is a thing where um, some people do like to engage in this way where it's like everything is up for debate and everything can be a discussion where people have opposing views and and other people uh, aren't that way. Like I, I would be someone who if I said that thing about church, I would probably – Depending on my mood, I think most of the time I would want my partner to um, like sharing something like that I think is an invitation for your partner to be like, oh, like I'd love to learn more about that or tell me about church or Mm. um, or like ask questions and understand me more as opposed to explain their differing opinion to me because, you know – not everything not pe- not everyone always wants to feel like everything is a thing for debate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are just like this is my personal experience and I want to share it with you. And that's an opportunity for you to have a conversation with her that's not about your differing opinion. Mm-hmm. Um and I I think that you know if she posed it in a different way which was like hey if we have kids together what would you think about raising them in the church, I think that would be an opportunity for you to be like, well, let me tell – or if she just posed it as like an abstract, like what do you think about church as the place where kids learn Mm -hmm. morals or whatever? I think that's an opportunity to debate. But I think, you know, being a little bit more sensitive to um, the the, like the cue you're getting about the kind of conversation your partner wants to have might also help. Yeah. So, I mean – 
it sounds to me, again, you're, you're being very nice and, and sensitive and you did say, you know, that you're thinking about it and that's great. So, I mean, even if you are, quote unquote, a mansplainer with her, it's cool that you're asking. So just keep these things in mind for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I think also it's important to remember that, like, I think it's like fun to talk about mansplainers and mansplaining. But remember that also it's it's an it's a behavior and an action, not necessarily an identity. I mean, for some people, it's an identity. And mm-hmm. like, I hope to never interact with those people. But it can also just be a behavior that you dip into and dip out of. So if you can think of it more like, how do I curb this behavior? That might be mo- a more useful frame than like, how do I not be this person that I might be? I have been guilty of white splaining in the past. I mm-hmm. definitely catch myself if someone is talking about a thing and having me be like, yeah, but also I just, you know what? Just listen. Yeah, Just exactly. sit back and listen in exactly. general. So. But I, like Catherine said, I think you're asking all the right questions. So yeah. Carl, uh, let us know if you what you come to and yeah, uh, yeah update us on that yeah. communication is key mm-hmm. all right this person wants a Buffy or a Harry Potter name okay <gasps> I suggest that we go deep in the vaults of Harry Potter and pick out a name that we've never used such as I'm about to get Dobby like, what Oh, I don't that's know. That's a good one. Is Have we used Dobby? One? Yeah, I was going to say like. Is Dobby the Jar Jar Binks of Harry Potter? I kind of like no, Dobby. Oh, Dobby's everything. Yeah. All right. Let's do Dobby. Okay. I love it. Um, Dear Kate, dear Sally. I love that. First of all, thank you so much for your wonderful podcast. I listen to it every week and you help make my ride on the ever going struggle bus of my life just a little, a lot easier. I'm writing to you because I've got this problem. I'm a cis girl involved with a martial arts sport that is typically very male dominated. I take beginner's class, which is important to the story as everyone in my class is a beginner, just like me. A couple hours ago, we had a training session. There's this one guy in my class who seems to think he is the real shit, the center of the universe, and who is always loud, making jokes, and taking up everyone's workout time. He asks irrelevant questions, like when we had two young policewomen join our class one day, talking specifically on street violence and martial arts on a strict time schedule, he asks them if they ever shot somebody, etc., etc., and is just a good pain in everyone's rectum. Sorry, not sorry, writing this still angry about what happened today. So today I got paired with him to practice. He kept giving me friendly advice about how I should change my technique. I was polite and said thanks, but didn't really practice what he told me as he is, wait for it, a beginner just like me. In the end, we were supposed to do a series of very complicated strikes and punches, and I messed up a couple times, getting frustrated about myself and messing up even more. He continued to, kind of aggressively, tell me to calm down and take a chill pill. Uh, I snapped at him and told him I was calm, keeping on with my punches. After the session ended, I both felt ashamed that I snapped, yet irritated at the fact that he tried to teach me the things he didn't know himself and told me to calm down in a very belittling way. On to my question. Do you have any advice on how to handle mansplainers in a calm and collected way? I don't want my emotions to get the better of me, especially since I always get a lot of anxiety afterwards, feeling like I handled it badly and like I was in the wrong. You're the best. Thank you for everything. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Chill pill. I can't even. Yeah, it's a lot. Welcome to the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. How is someone telling you to take a chill what pill? What the that's, fuck? That's his worst defense as far as I'm concerned. I am so concerned. <laughs> I, go on. So Sally. Okay. Well, I guess like – I guess I would say um, how do you handle mansplators in a common collected way? I think that – it's it's hard to give general advice for something so specific because, I mean, sometimes the way you handle mansplainers is to just, like, not engage with them at all. And just – I think, like, the equivalent of what Catherine was talking about in the very beginning of the episode of, like, the smiley face, the equivalent of that in real life is to just completely ignore them or just, like, smile and nod um, or – Yeah, I mean, that's it. Just like less is more and just know that they, you know, you're in a class that's probably an hour long. You don't have a lot of opportunity to like make them understand that they're like deeply entrenched behavior is like problematic and making you feel away. So you can just sort of um, (laughs) smile and nod, um, which probably will really irritate him, honestly. So it's kind of going on, on the offensive as well. And I mean, the other thing you can do is you can actually say like if you get paired up, you can say... Uh, something like, if I if I want any advice from you, I'll ask you for it, but please don't give me any advice. That's like a, a totally fair thing to say, and you can say it in a kind, non-confrontational way. You can mm-hmm. say, this is just the way I am. Don't give me advice. I'll ask you if I want it. The other thing you could do, the nuclear option, I think, would be to go to the instructor and ask to never be paired up and to say, also, can you never pair me up with him? And also, can someone talk to him about 
giving tips because your instructor probably wouldn't like a beginner giving another beginner tips. Absolutely. It's dangerous. Exactly. So I think that's a totally like actionable thing if you wanted to like talk to have the instructor intervene. What do you think? I am a million percent team. Tell the instructor what's going on. And also, if the instructor doesn't take you seriously, take another class because this is like, listen, you're doing something physical and emotional. These sports Mm -hmm. are very emotional and you got to feel safe. And if you're not feeling safe and or respected, it's rough. So I would say definitely say, you know, don't pair me up with them. Also, I don't know. He's kind of taking time out of our class Mm -hmm. by asking these questions. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you can. And, you know, the instructor should be sensitive to that and do, you know, do something. Um, And you know, I, I agree with Sally. Uh, silence speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. So that's my new lesson, I think, after the last week's episode. You talked about that. <laughs> I've been doing that lately, like, you know, just not saying anything. And whenever I get pissed off at somebody who's, you know, has good intentions but is being mansplainy or condescending, or I do this with women as well, uh, I channel my inner Lana Kane. Now, Lana is a character from Archer. Okay. And oh, right, right. she has a great line where she always goes, nope, and that's it. But what I like to do besides that is I know the smiling thing is dumb because it's like women need to smile and whatever, but it really helps to add a smile when you're being like, don't do this. I like to say like, nah, (laughs) just shake my head and go, nah, and then just keep doing the fighting. And if he wants to continue to explain why, you know, he's correct at that point, just you can call the instructor over like and just be like, I I just can't do this right now. Yeah, totally. But it sucks. I will tell you, it's frustrating, right? Like that's the thing is everyone thinks they're overreacting. No such thing. It's my new rule. There's no such thing. It's all because there are microaggressions on your way to the train to take the class. I'm assuming you're in New York. I don't know. Uh, on your way to somewhere uh, or last night at the restaurant, there's all these microaggressions, people on the street treating you like crap, saying things, catcalling, whatever, being condescending. And you get to this class and you just want to like have a safe space. So no, you're not overreacting. Mm-hmm. You're reacting to a, a thing that is real. And also take a chill pill and calm down. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. This is a martial arts class. No, that's terrible. That is so condescending. So I would love to come up with a line or like a a laminated card we can (laughs) just pass out. Oh, yeah. That's just a smiley face emoji on a card. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. But um, I don't know. I I, it's the kind of thing where I always read the room and think about it. But you have every right to be as upset as Mm -hmm. you are because that is really messed up. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. I think, you know, this is annoying in any situation, but particularly when you're doing any sort of fitness thing, but take Mm. like even more so this is like of a contact sport it's even more like just unsafe feeling and um you know i think i guess i think that like with people like this you either have to decide if you just want to protect yourself and get through the class or if you want to like take an action and get them dealt with or if you want to like antagonize them mm-hmm. i mean it's like what is my goal to get through this right intact is my goal to like make them feel terrible is my cool is my goal to get them in trouble and i think you should decide what your goal is going to be and then act accordingly yeah i mean i I, I I do really enjoy antagonizing mansplainers, but I, I also <laughs> recognize that it it can make the situation worse for you. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably I mean, I did that kind of in the Facebook thread when I congratulated Mike on me and Gwyneth Paltrow. I knew Brilliant. that antagonizing him was going to like amp him up. And I was happy that I did it, but I made decisions to not continue to do that because it was getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's an important thing to think about when you think about like if you're going to retaliate in some way yeah I, I think one word responses are always my go-to like if he's doing something and just go nah it, that they hate that it's nah, amazing it's yeah because nah. it's so dismissive it is so dismissive yeah and yeah i wouldn't do that to somebody who was genuinely helping me but he's not you know and if he keeps you know aggravating you which he probably will you know then then you call the instructor over yeah i don't know you shouldn't have to deal with this and also you shouldn't have to worry about like what am i going to say i have to plan a monologue don't don't even think about that the less time and energy you expend the better and he's you know, that's not engaging with him. Yeah, totally. I think that's a good advice thing. I think we knocked it out of the you park. You guys, we are going to be doing a live show hopefully soonish. Maybe mm, we have to talk about that um, with some amazing guests. Very exciting. And Stay tuned for news on that. Yes. And uh, thank you for all the nice emails about Mara's episode. You all found her very amazing. Her voice very soothing. We know. We know. Amazing. She's a professional. Um, she was great, though. I listened back and I was like, I feel so comforted. Yeah, I really felt like I was being transported when she was reading the emails. So great. 
Yeah. Yeah. Definitely listen to her on Night Vale. It's amazing. I finally saw her Broad City episode too. Oh, it's cool. great. She's so great. I love awesome. It. Um, yeah. So if you want to tweet at us, you can tweet at strugglebuspod. Email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com with your questions. Please send them. Um, go on to Instagram.com slash the strugglebuspod or tweet at Sally T or me at SPK Heller and the Struggle Buddies Facebook group. Just email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Put in the subject line, like, please add me to the group. Oh, this is sort of important. If you're writing a letter about advice and then end it with, and please add me to the group, we may not see that because we read the, the um, yeah, email yeah. thing separately. Sally deals with the advice letters and I deal with the Struggle Buddies group. So maybe send a separate email with the subject line saying, at, please add me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would help. Yeah. One other thing, you guys, it would be amazing if you wanted to tell us what fictional universe you would like your name to come from because we can only give so many Friday Night Lights uh, and Harry Potter pseudonyms. There's a lot of side characters. <laughs> we're um, we're going to have like 10 Tammies soon. But like, yeah, so just if you want to, I mean, we also are happy to make them up, but if you have like a movie or a book or a whatever you want us to choose from, we would welcome you to suggest. Yeah, or not. I mean, I'm happy to just give them names of things in my apartment. You know, <laughs> Couch. Lamp. <laughs> no, it's Anchorman. All right. Um, oh. So the song of the week, it's my turn. Ah, this is rough because I have so many ideas for the song, but um, I'm going to go with this. All right. Let's do Broadway again. Fuck it. A yeah. lot of you write in and oh, love yeah. the Broadway, you know? So this is from Wicked, and this is a song that means a lot to me and my sister. Uh, it's a really beautiful song. I also associate it with everyone I've ever um, been in love with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, the song is called For Good. And if you don't know the show, it's a retelling of The Wizard of Oz, but from the witch's point of view. So the Wicked Witch of the West is named Alphaba, and she's actually really nice, and she has this whole backstory, and the good witch, Glinda, also has her own backstory. And they meet in school as teenagers and they did not get along, but then they end up becoming really good friends. And I don't want to give anything away, but it's a really beautiful show. So this song is towards the end of the show and it's called For Good. And it's about their friendship. And some of the lyrics are, um, who can say if I've been changed for the better, but because I knew you, I've been changed for good. And they're saying goodbye. I can't, again, I can't tell you why, but it's the last time they're seeing each other and they're just sort of saying, you know, I, you know, about how all the fights they've gotten in and how, you know, life is hard and, but no matter what moving forward and they're both moving forward, they're like, I will never forget you and the things you did for me, even if, you know, it was rough Mm. sometimes and uh, they didn't get along at first. I don't know the show at all, but I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. It's a really, really beautiful song. And um, just listen to the lyrics and think about all of the people in your life you may not still be in touch with but how they have impacted you for good. Even my dad, like he's, he was terrible to me and it's been rough and it's hard, but I do think about some of the good things and it makes me feel so good. That's awesome. Guys, let's get cheesy. All right. I look forward to getting sappy. Yeah, let's do it. So um, thank you so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. People come into our lives for a reason Bringing something we must learn And we are led to those who help us most grow If we let them And we help them in return Well, I don't know if I believe that's true but I know I'm who I am today because I knew you like a comet pulled from orbit as it passes a sun like a stream that meets a boulder halfway through the
so much of me is made of what I learned from you. You'll be with me like a handprint on my heart. And now, whatever way our stories end, I know you have rewritten mine by being my friend. Like a ship blown from its mooring by a wind of the sea, like a sea dropped by a sky bird in a distant world. Who can say if I've been changed for the better? But because I know you, because I knew you, I have been changed for good. And just to clear the air, I ask forgiveness for the things I've done you blame me for. But then I guess we know there's blame to share. And none of it seems to matter anymore.